Yeah. Deal with. I need to go back to that point. So. Yeah. Say it. Say it. We'll start in the middle here. Well, like we're saying, there's no place you can push yourself for young guys to come up. And I disagree. Um, and, and we just talked about filling up table space. But, you know, people have to understand. Like I was doing upwards of 11, 12 shows a year, mm-hmm. you know. And 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 uh, a lot of them are still in existence. And and a lot of the ones I was competing at, like Agribition, Agribition, for example, is is uh, a huge agricultural show up here. That um, the biggest one of the year, right? And it's tractors and welders and saddle makers and whatever you want is is in the booth area. So. I went, I went to that show for over eight years and, and every year I learned. So the first year I went there and I just had a table. The second year I went there, I got rid of the tables and I brought display cases, you know, the third mm-hmm. year I went there, I brought display cases in my engraving block. Um, you know, it's the ways to differentiate yourself. And I always wanted, of course you wanted like, like for me, I had, you know, um, like just engraved buckles and earrings and and bracelets and everything like that. But I always made something special for that show. And I knew it wasn't going to sell in hell. I'm dealing with farmers and ranchers. They're not going (laughs) to, but, but I, I more chances than not after that show, it would sell to somebody that had been through there. And, and did you not find, did you not find, how many pieces you, there were a lot of pieces sold. You found that there were a lot of pieces sold off of that big fancy piece. The farmers and ranchers may not have been able to fork out the dough for the big one, but there were elements of the yep. big one that they had no idea you could do. And they're like, Oh, I got to have, I, I got to have some of that. Oh, uh, something similar. Right. Well, it's like you're talking about branding and, and, and that mm-hmm. that's exactly what that is. That's the mm-hmm. definition, right? So I used to, there was two shows that I did regular every year, and they were brutal. The one at Agribition was 11 days, just like the NFR. The one at Spruce Meadows, so Spruce Meadows is a huge uh, horse facility just outside of Calgary up here, and and, uh, they're the number two jumping horse facility in the world. And they have a big show. They have two or three shows every year, but I used to go to their fall show, and, and we went to that for... Oh, I don't know, well over 10 years, Leslie and I, and set up a booth. The thing was, those people pushed you in a different direction than Agribition pushed you. Because everybody that was coming through there was in a suit and, and, you know, and and there were horse people. Don't get me wrong. So, I mean, your booth had to look different for that than it. So where I'm trying to go with all this, there is places for people to push themselves. You've got the, the ranch horse deal you've got cuttings you've got on and on and on so so it's there people have to do it but they have to go and understand um they have to think while they're there right i mean i used to watch guys come to shows and uh, and uh, they'd set up and and by the end of the show if they hadn't sold everything was on sale right and then nobody bought a, nobody bought a damn thing, right? And then they get discouraged uh, going to shows. But 
you, you've got to understand that you've got to build your reputation in that space as well as you do anywhere else. And, and, and I've always said the number one thing for me was my mind was always so curious that I knew that I couldn't just build buckles. Like I love building buckles. They're my favorite thing to build. But I knew that if I just wanted to build buckles, then I better go to production Mm -hmm. and build thousands of them, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's still a mainstay of mine, but I was always curious enough that, like I built that first flask, the first flask I built, I had no place for it to go, absolutely no place for it to go. And and that was in the mid-'80s. Mm. And uh, so I built the thing, and I got a, a, a furniture maker to build a nice box for it and figured out how to put it in the box right and, so it was a, a flask and two shot glasses. And uh, that sat in my shelf for probably two years. And then one day, Gary Dunchy phoned uh-huh. and said, big, they're putting on Alpine. Mm-hmm. And uh, would I like to participate? And I said, hell yeah. I sent, sent the buckle down and uh, buckle down and that flask. And they both sold at that show. There you go. But I'd, yeah. held, I'd held on to them for years, you know, so people need to be curious enough and have enough faith in themselves that, and make enough money that that they can push themselves that way. Yeah. Run the business efficiently enough that you can afford to stretch yourself occasionally without being behind the eight ball of having to make it sell. Right. Cause, cause then pricing becomes inconsistent, just like the people you're talking about that couldn't sell anything. So they put everything on sale the last day, which bred an attitude of, I'll never buy anything from him until the last day because then the true value will come out on the piece and you just lower the value of your work by doing that. Well, what what else you do, Willie, and this is a, again, I've had a lot of experiences over the years. My cousin and I, he's a saddle maker. We went Austin, Mawson. We went to Germany together twice but and had a booth there at Equitana, the largest horse show in the world at that point. And, uh, you know, we were there. That show was a week long also. And and so we're there a few days. And, and you know, we'd kind of been told that, man, these Europeans are going to come in and see this stuff. They just clean your shells off. Well, what a load of crap that was, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> Didn't but, work out. I mean, no. they were there. Well, no, well, they. I learned a lot from them people over there. And, and it wasn't a money problem. It was a perception problem. Absolutely. So if they walked up, to you, they walked up to your booth, and your stuff was just kind of laid out. We had display cases, but it, you know they weren't decorated nice and on and on and on. That devalued everything, because yep. in their mind, they're they're used to walking into a Mercedes or or Holland and Holland, Holland, <laughs> Holland and, and yeah, yeah. So they want to see something nice, and if you don't have that, that devalues your work. So that's as important as your work, you know. Presentation, other, well. Yes. The other, the well, that shows sophistication too. And if you can't be sophisticated in your presentation, you're damn sure not going to be sophisticated in your work. So, which plays uh, into the, the coat other, and tie. Which, yeah. Which, which, you know, your, your dress as well plays into that. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, the other thing that I noticed after about three or four days, some people hadn't sold very well. And all of a sudden, the sale signs came out. Yeah. Like literally, sale uh-huh. signs. And then it was like sharks in the water, man. They sense blood. Here and they come. Then nobody wanted to pay. 
Mm. Regular price. Nobody. And Austin and I never played that game. And we really, no. we came out of that okay, you know, but we separated ourselves from everybody else. Yeah. So. Schwartzy. Anyway. Schwartzy, you here? Hey. I'm I'm here. I'm here. I'm listening. I'm listening. Wait. We got we got Scott Hardy on with us. Go figure. Right. He, he's he's preaching to us. I'm so proud. <laughs> <laughs> I just means that I got kicked in the ass more than most. <laughs> you know, true that Tater. That's that's the truth. You know, I mean, if you've never had your butt kicked on any of this stuff, uh, and and you know, on the passion, Katie tells me all the time, easy on the passion, easy on the passion. Passion hell, I got a knot on my head because of it, right? So I'm trying to prevent other people from having that knot on the head. Well, the thing is, though, Willie, um, the easier you make it for people, the worse it is. You, you know, some people will take that easy, and they'll take it to the next step, right? Yeah. And that that's your hope. That's your dream. And yeah. then there's other people. It's, again, it's like water down a hill, right? The easiest course, and... And then they expect it, and then they demand it, and then they yeah. lose it. Welcome to America. <laughs> I shouldn't have welcome said that. To, <laughs> welcome to, welcome to humanity, man. Yeah, true. Sorry. Sorry. Listening to Scott there, and, and uh, first thing that leaps into my mind is what kind of mindset is required in order to hang on to a flask for two years. And uh, I can remember talking to my brother-in-law, who I'm sure doesn't listen to this, but uh, telling him about some of the TCA stuff that I still own. And uh, we hung on to that 2013 saddle until it sold in 2023. That's 10 years. Yeah. We hung on yeah. to a saddle for 10 years. And it was a $44,000 saddle. And... Mm. Uh, for your normal person out there on the street or wage earner to hang on to that kind of thing. That's, that's a kick in the teeth. Yeah. Uh, who's going to weather that? Who's going to do that? Uh, we do so that it takes a certain mindset in order to, to take it on the chin and, and power through it, find a way through it. And eventually things do sell. So, so, so one question, did you sell it for more or the same price? Did you increase the value on it, or did you leave it well, the same? Well, we got we sold it outside the show, so we uh, we got our commission that we would have had to pay it otherwise. But we didn't but, sell but it anymore. No, you didn't sell Should it anymore. Have. So, Probably. yeah, I was gonna say at my house with my own stuff. Maybe that's why I have a small collection started. But as my value increases year to year, then the value of those unsold pieces increases as well, and so I increase the value as progressively. So there's two ways to. Two, sorry, Willie. There's two no, ways to look at that. That's that's very unusual for me to interrupt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell everybody the truth, Tater. Yeah. Number one is I always remember uh, Mark Dahl saying his unsold items. He looks at those as a savings account. Yep. For years to come. So I guess that's a mentality you have to have and. And the other mentality that I've never been short on is what Willie's talking about, and that's uh, you talked about earlier, and that's passion, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't. If if you want to be safe, let me put it this way: if you want to be safe, this is the wrong profession. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, so go <laughs> drive a mouthful there. Yeah, yeah, go drive your truck. Go get a union job. Go whatever. I I say that when you do that, you're no safer than me. But in your mind, you are. So if that's mm-hmm. where you need to be, go. For me, I got in this because I wanted to create one of one items. You know, I I'd done. In the winters, I'd worked for my stepfather in the machine shop and did thousands of parts a day, thousands of the same parts, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I didn't want to do that anymore, you know. So I, I'm, I'm in this to do one-of-a-kind items and to stretch myself. So I, I push everything out of the way, and that's what I concentrate on. And that's right or wrong. I'm not saying... Anybody else should do that. But for me, I wanted to be a, a craftsman and an artist. So the only way to do that is to push ahead, right? And and yeah. and if you want to, again, not to sound redundant, but if, if you want to get in this and you want to feel safe, well, you're in the wrong profession. So for me, when I get feeling, uh, I can tell when I need to do something outside my scope. Uh, because I start getting frustrated and and kind of angry with myself, and and then I know it's time to move on. You know, it's time to push ahead. You know, it, it um, it's there's there's probably not in reality, as you said, Scott. They're not any safer than we are. There's risk in everything, right? But what is our happy and and you know, like for us as individuals, the way we are, just like you say, Scott is building one of one, one of kind pieces. That's our happy man. And that's, that's what makes us get up in the morning and go back at it. And, and just like you, when I was working for Greg and we were building 1500 business spurs a month, no, thank you. Right. A lot more money in a lot of ways involved in that world, right? The numbers are bigger. You have a bigger market. And so we can say that in one way it's safer because it's easier to sell a $300 pair of spurs than it is a $30,000 pair of spurs. More people can afford that $300 pair. But but our happy um, is building that one of one. And and it just life wasn't going to be okay for me unless I got to do that. And And so... That's why I focused on it. Still trying to make money, right? We're still trying to yeah. be efficient with that too. Sure. But nothing wrong with that. But I'll tell you what: if you're building, if you're building fifteen hundred sets of bits and spurs a year, or or a month, fifteen <laughs> okay a month, or fifteen hundred yeah. bucks a month, or whatever, whatever, then you're not a craftsman anymore. You're a businessman. Yeah. So you can apply that to any business, right? So. That again, that's why. So, I've I've told this story a hundred times to thousands of people, but I'm going to tell it once more, and I'll make it quick, guys. <laughs> um, I was building I was building rodeo buckles right when I got started, and I was charging a hundred bucks a buckle, and I could build one buckle a day, and man, yeah. I thought I was setting the world on fire. I ran into a guy in a town close to where I lived that owns a production company, buckle production company. We had a coffee and had a nice visit and everything like that. And at the end, he said, he said, I got to get home. I'm building 250 buckles this weekend. <laughs> I fell off my chair, right? And I said, that sounds like long days. He said, not really that long, you know. And I said, so would you mind telling me what you're getting per buckle? And he said, 
No, I, no problem. Eighty-five dollars. <laughs> Two hundred and fifty buckles in one week, getting eighty-five dollars a piece for them, and there I am pooping out one a day for hundred bucks. <laughs> so I went home that night. I went home that night, and I just I thought, and, and I visited with Leslie, and, and you know, thought and thought, and I just it, that was the point where I decided. I, I could go either way because of the my stepfather and, and, and that background. I could have jumped into production probably easier than, well, I know easier than what I'm doing now. But I had to make that choice at that point. Do I want to be a production guy or do I want to be a one-of-a-kind craftsman and artist? And I made my mind up that weekend, and, and I've never looked back after that. You know, you, you said there's no craft in the production. I Oh, no, we both, I'm not. We, yeah, we both know there's a little craft. There, there's craftsmanship involved in that, but it's different, like you say, Scott. It, it's a different craft because the challenges that we face daily building something we've never built before involves a level of craftsmanship that turn that gets us up in the morning, right? It's like we love that problem solving and the challenge of how the hell am I going to create that thing I drew on paper where – building the same buckle every day for a year in a catalog type situation, there was a level of craftsmanship that happened day one, but 364 days into the deal, you're still doing that. You may have improved the process, but it's basically the same thing over and over well, and over. Every weller that strikes an arc is a craftsman. Yeah. Every absolutely. mechanic that turns a wrench is a craftsman. Mm -hmm. It's we all know welders and, and mechanics that, I mean, you go to them because they're the best. You know what yeah, I mean? That's right. And they've got a different level of dedication, which is which is exactly what the TCA is. And and you know, go way back to where we started this conversation about places for people to go, you know? And uh that's always disappointed me a little bit, to be honest with you, because so when uh Trapping to the American West came, as as Carrie knows, there there was no show like that out there anywhere. There wasn't. Right. Not not of that quality at that point. Um, right. And I had didn't have a chance in hell of getting into that show at that point. But me and three other guys jumped in a car, and we drove 26 hours to that show. And mm -hmm. I walked in those doors, and it forever changed my life. Yeah, that that was the perception, as Carrie knows, that was the inspiration for the TCA annual exhibition and sale. Yeah, right there. So that we could, we we always felt there would be as many craftsmen there as buyers, you know, sure. and that we could we could touch a lot of lives through that show. And I've been a little disappointed over the years, you know, that and and it, it you see some young people that, that they'll come once or twice and, and that's fantastic. It's a big stretch, but I've heard more, Oh, I can't afford to go there. Or I can't afford this. And I just think, well, you just don't want it. Sorry. I, I wonder if, uh, if the availability to see the work in the show has become too easy so that we both know, we all three know that seeing it in pictures is one thing, but nothing compared to seeing it in real life. Right. And, and, and then, and then, and then there's one other element that to actually get the opportunity to hold it and to feel 
the craftsmanship that went into something is is for me a, a whole nother level too. But but so, being so, able to see it all online has made it difficult. I think yeah. it's made it easier for people not to come. Let me put it that way. So I love to read biographies, right? About people that interest me. I love to read their biographies. And that's the same way I I went to Trappings of the American West. That's where I met Al Pachetti. Oh, that's yeah. where I met. That's where I'd have great time to visit with Mark Dahl. Yeah. Great time to visit with Mark Drain. On and on and on. I went to meet those guys and get in their heads as much as I did to see the work because they're building it. So I want to know how they think, you know? Yeah. So true that. True. Well, and so now I have Patreon and for $20 a month, you can watch me five days a week in the dang shop. Another opportunity to, to truly know who I am. And I, I wait until I, you expand that out of the shop and then I'll jump in. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a, uh, don't go it, red, Willie. I'm not going red. It is, uh, it is, there's a lot of excuses why not to do it. And I completely agree with you, Scott. Is like, there, there, the, I don't know about meeting me, but there's a lot of value in meeting everybody, you know, everybody else. And uh, I think it's a wonderful well, thing. Well, not only that, Wilson, and, and, and maybe we're different, but I'm sure that the three of us on here all feel the same way when you walk into that room. Oh, yeah, I do every year. You know, when you when you stand in the center of creativity like that, to that level, that's just a whole different world, man. I mean, that just the energy in that room is well, just staggering to me. So so and think about okay, so we're 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 obligated with a privilege as an asterisk, right? This is our privilege to build the three best things we've ever made in our entire life each and every year for that show. That is a privilege. What kind of pressure do you feel? Like I know with having Ernie and John Ennis and, and, uh, and Mark and Bill and all uh, Greg, all, all the guys that have come before me that are in that room for me to build the three best things I've ever made. And then I have to go sit down at the bar with them and have a drink and talk about my piece. There is a lot of pressure to do the best I possibly can because my heroes are going to be looking at that work. And, and there is an element of, um, of, 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 uh, what, what do you, what am I trying to say? Encouragement to do the best I've done because the best I know are going to look at it and tell me whether I did good or not. And there's a level of honesty, you know, John Ennis told me, don't do that anymore. That's ugly. Well, you don't want to hear that. right? <laughs> 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 and it's well, happened. motivation. That's what it is. My hair is going yeah. back here. Yeah, <laughs> it's like holy crackers. <laughs> but that, no, it, but, it, but it, that's real, right? I mean, there's an element that we haven't ever talked about there. That to have you guys to look at my work, it's extremely important that you like what it is I've done. Well, it's 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 real and it's uncomfortable and it's comfortable and it's yeah. you know unsettling and settling at the same time and it's you know um, you sure. I mean, uh, when you're in peewee football, you're not taking talking the same level as you are in the NFL, right? right? So, but that's your your trajectory to be in the the NFL. Is yeah, NFL football. and 
and and I even I call it this the Hall of Fame, right? We got a lot of we got a lot of people that participate occasionally, but to get that gold jacket and be a part of the Hall of Fame of the NFL, that's where I look at it, right? Is is like I want to I want to be I want to be the best I can be, which hopefully will take me to being the best of the best. And that, and I think that Hall of Fame jacket is determined by other people. It's not really for me to say, but to be the best I can be myself is all up to me. You know, it, it it's the same no matter what you're in. You know, it. um, mm-hmm. it's that it's that underlying passion, the underlying desire to be better. Not not underlying the burning passion to want to be better. To to mm-hmm. when you haven't done that, you feel uncomfortable. And there's a there's a woe place in there someplace. You know what I mean? Because you can be yeah. so hard on yourself that you don't go ahead. But you've got to, at some point, you've got to understand, okay, I'm done this one. Next one's going to be better. You know what yeah. I mean? And if, yeah. if that isn't your mentality every day on every piece you do, like, I mean, you're, you're in trouble and you're in the wrong business. Let me put it that way. And, and, and uh, so, like, there isn't – I know there's a lot of people look at the TCA guys and they think, oh, well, they just, you know, they were born that way or they just fell into this or whatever. <laughs> and, and there isn't one guy in that group that hasn't struggled their entire life. That's why I hate the word struggle. talent. I hate the word talent. Well, well and, and struggled to pay bills. Struggled, mm-hmm. but they were tough enough – Instead of caving in and just doing shit for money, mm. they were tough enough to get through it and 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 get better with each step. And 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 it's still not easy. Hell, Carrie wow. and I have both been doing this for well over forty years, and it's it's still not easy. But I can't think of anything else. Like, I mean, the the projects I have in front of me now, I got two right in front of me right now that I'm a little concerned on how I'm going to build them. Yeah. You know what I mean, but I'll figure it out. I get. That. I didn't realize you two are that old. Forty years. Yeah. You know where to stick the knife in, don't you? <laughs> well, it was too. It was too serious. I had to throw something out there. <laughs> ah, well, I mean, I mean, with age comes experience, right? Oh yeah, knots on the head. You can't have one without the other. No, no, and it, 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 you never quit learning, and it, and you never quit getting the knots and and the experience. Forty years, sixty years. My dad's seventy eight years old, and he says, "I can't believe the good Lord's trying to teach me something today." But he did; he taught me something. You know, he says it every day. You know? Well, I, I mean, that's life. I mean, there is no time. There's there's professions out there where it's mandatory retirement, and like we talked about surgeons and. And mm-hmm. things like that, but with ours, good Lord willing, the only thing mandatory retirement for me is when I'm finished. You know what I mean? When I'm gone. Well, retirement for me is means that I don't have to get up at three or four o'clock in the morning to get my forty hours in. It it boils well, then back I'm to, huh? Then I'm retired because I ain't getting up at three or four. <laughs> and. <laughs> and and not to talk age, but by the time I'm I'm uh, 
you know, 70 years old, then yeah, I hope that I don't have to get up at four o'clock to the mandatory 40 hours that I, <laughs> don't give me that look. I see let's, let's, let's just be clear, clear here. Neither Terry or I are 70 years old. I know. I didn't want to talk about how close you are to 70, though. <laughs> so. That one I, I got to give you. I'm getting close. You're getting close, as I am, right? As I am. And uh, I turned yeah. 50 in, 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 in several months. And, and so. Hell, I had not, both my knees when I was 50. Exactly, and and also we're. St I can remember when you were fifty, and you were keeping my ass up way too late in the bar. I promise. And you were now. I'm keeping you up. Come on, Tater. It's eight thirty. Stay up, buddy. You're fine. <laughs> no, I, I can't remember a day when I went to bed at eight thirty. Uh, oh, I I can remember it well. That would have been last night that I. <laughs> it bothered me a bit. Uh, well, I I do, and and you know, to to allude back to the energy of being around you guys, what a benefit it's going to be next week, next Tuesday. We're all going to get in the bar and have a drink and 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 discuss the excitement that we're going to have the next the next five days and. Uh, Gosh dang, I'm excited to see it. It's been a long time. I mean, I saw y'all in Colorado, but that's a long time ago, and I'm ready to be there. I'm ready to see everybody. I'm excited this year too that uh, we'll have four fellowship people there. Yeah. To visit with, I'm looking forward to that, and the people from Bo's workshop. I mean, all that stuff. It sounds crazy, but it's 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 fun to visit with those people. It's fun to see where they're at. It's fun to do. Do we not get a lot of energy off of like the fellowship type people who, man, they got a craving to, to be where we're at and be a part of who we are, man. That's a, it's like Larry Lorraine's going to be there. And Larry is a, is a, is a, he's a glass of carbonated beer. I promise he's bubbling all over. Right? So well, I've, experienced, some, I've experienced Larry. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I enjoyed the heck out of him. I enjoyed the heck out of him. At, you know, last year's uh, forum, um, I spent an uh, evening with him and Jason Gobsch uh, mm -hmm. debating, yeah. and, and it was interesting debates, and 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 really, really enjoyed. I, I when somebody, I hope Larry's not listening because I don't want his head to get fat. But when somebody <laughs> is, I'll, is I'll, thinking I'll, that I'll, hard, is is thinking that hard, and and. You know, he was very respectful in everything he, he said, but he pushed me at every point, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. when he figured out he couldn't push me any further on this point, he went over here, you know? And uh, we, it, it was entertaining. I believe our group has a, has a need for that, has a hunger for that, right? We're, we're deprived in a lot of ways of that youthful energy and that, and that, and not that Larry's my age, right? I mean, but, but, um, his 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 fresh approach to the business and what's going on uh we're hungry for that well he's excited right and that's yeah. that's the big thing again everything always goes back to passion that's right if that's if right. you haven't got passion you haven't got anything whether it's in your profession or your marriage you yep. got to have you got to have passion well uh, i share a little news too eli the wonder chicken is is bringing a buddy and uh 
they're going to show up Saturday morning and, and stay with, you know, they're going to come enjoy Saturday. And, and, um, I told them they're not going to come to the banquet. They're going to, they're going to do everything Saturday and do the show. And then, uh, they'll go, go get them a bite to eat and, and, uh, be at the bar waiting on us when we get back, you know, to the hotel. And he's just super excited to meet you guys. And that's a 21 year old young man that, I'm constantly going, Oh, watch out. You're going to run into the wall, but he crashes right through it and everything's <laughs> fine, you know? And, uh, and, and that, that's something that, that I think is, is exciting to see as well. Um, Absolutely. Did, did, did you say Laden was coming? No, Eli, Eli, the, the, oh. the young man that's working with me in the shop, you know? Oh, right on. I call him the wonder chicken. That's why I wondered if it was Laden. Well, we, yeah. <laughs> Where'd you call him that? Oh, Ladin. I wish, I wish we could have Ladin. That would be a whole, I, because he's a silversmith. I know where he would hang out and uh, <laughs> it'd be fun to watch. He's a good guy. I enjoy him. I love him too. I love him too. Well, it is good. Business, business, business. Well, Carrie, you come up with a topic. You haven't got to talk, of course, because it's me and Scott on here. So you don't get to say nothing. Well, we before we push the record button, we we were talking about accountability, and that that's been a thread that's been going through this whole conversation, hasn't it? Oh yeah. We're trying to hold ourselves accountable. We're trying to hold each other accountable. We're just by circumstances, just by having a drink in a bar with people who you respect at a very mm -hmm. high level uh both as as people as as a person as a human being but as a, a craftsman who who has all that passion that scott is talking about that when we when somebody shows up in our circle and they've got it we can see that a mile away mm -hmm. uh, because they mm -hmm. birds of a feather you know flock together yeah but, I, but I, it's all that accountability that culture, shall we say, that culture of accountability that drives this whole thing, isn't that? You were talking about billable hours per week. It's all accountability. Accountability. Uh, there's just layers and layers of accountability, isn't there? Within yeah. ourselves, within our group, within our culture. Well, you've got to be able to harness that passion, make a living with it, and and... And make a living. It, it, it you know. So, um, Leslie's never, never worked away from home other than for a couple of years in the very beginning. So it's been, and she helps me. Like she doesn't help me in the shop, but helps me on the computer and and hundred other ways. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. other ways. I mean, I don't even know how much money I have in the bank. I think I make twenty dollars a week because that's what I get. <laughs> no, I'm being a smart ass. But where I'm going with that is, it, it's a lot to juggle, right? You you've got to mm. you've got to be smart enough, and 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 Lord, I'm not saying I'm smart, but you've got to be smart enough and think ahead enough to understand that you've got to be able to push yourself. You've got to make a living. You've got to you, you've got to feed your family, and and be true to yourself all at the same time. So it takes it's it's a balancing act. And and if you don't have passion, you're never going to jump into that. Like Willie, you're talking about 
learning about <clears throat> doing the books properly and everything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, in the very beginning, if a guy thought like that, you wouldn't be doing this. No, I agree. Well, I would like to believe, let me put it that way. I would like to believe that there's a balance somewhere in there, but you're, you're right, Scott. And that I focused the first 20 years of my career becoming the artist craftsman that I am today. Right. And I wish, I wish that I had spent 10% of my time thinking about those numbers that I was creating. I wish I had. And, And like last week's conversation or last podcast with Conley, you know, Conley thought the business from the word go. He thought about all the numbers of the business. And I wish I had thought a little bit about that. But I I can't be upset that I didn't. I'm in a position now that the good Lord's put me in and it's his timing. I'll be fine, right? The business will be fine. And I can focus on the business in a way. It is taking away from my drawing time. It is taking away from my, um, my growth in a way. And it doesn't have to. I just have to figure out how to become efficient with all of it to make sure that I do what it is that I want to do. And and just like y'all, my happy is building those custom one-off pieces. So that means I cannot forget to focus on that. Right. But I, but I do have to spend a little bit more time focusing on the business. Otherwise I'll, I'll get to be y'all's age and still not have anything. Right. And that's not a positive. So the whole thing is it's, it it all it all fits together, Willie, and and, and yeah. we're all because we're human. We can only excel at one thing at a time, right? So yeah. it's like your engraving goes up here, and your fabrication stays down here, and then you got to go. Oh, I got to catch that up. So then it gets above your engraving, and business is the same thing. It's just another thing you have to throw in there. You know, I totally how agree. am I going to survive? And I tell you, because of some some business practices that I have paid attention to. And you two know that I preach it, have preached it for 20 years that y'all have known me about the business side of this thing. It's obviously been something on my brain. Um, But I'm finally getting to the point that I think my business will start growing exponentially because now I'm able to have people in my life that can, I'm able to pay people like a bookkeeper that knows what the hell she's doing and can actually take my show me numbers that I never ever would have been able to do. I promise you, I am not going to spend enough time to learn how to become a good bookkeeper. I don't care. I'm not going to do my take away my drawing to do that. But because my drawing has got to a level, my bit, my bits and spurs have got to a level that I can, that the perceived value is enough to where I can pay a bookkeeper. Now all of a sudden things will be more positive, right? Even better. I hired a professional to do a professional job. And so the business will be better because of people I'm able to put around me um, to accomplish things. They can't use the pencil. I got to maintain that, right? I got to maintain that spot. So, Well, it's your career and you have to think your way through every part of it. And, and you have to realize where you are at every part. And like you say, um, if you don't have a savings or something like that, then you aren't charging enough, you know, right. I mean, something, something's or, wrong someplace. Either you don't have enough business or you're not charging enough or, or, or you're spending too much, right? You can have a spending and, problem too. Well, and a spending problem, then there's another thing that can be a problem. If your work isn't worth the value you want out of it. If you can't sell it. Right. Exactly right. I mean, so, I mean, there's all kinds of balancing acts there and, and, you know, um, 
you asked about age. Well, I'm 66, right? So I think if I'm blessed, I've got, you know, 10 to 15 years max in my shop, good Lord willing, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm at that position now where where I'm, I'm thinking, I mean, I still need to make my money. I still need to pay bills, but mm. I need to accomplish what I need to accomplish, right? I need, there's things I want to build. There's, there's, there's items I want to create that, that, um, you know, uh, that, that I just have to do. So, so that's where my head is now. And, and, and it's gone from, um, I don't know. It's gone from feeling like an obligation to uh, um, obligation is a bad word, but it's gone from feeling like you have to do it to I need to do it, which sounds mm-hmm. the same, but it's different, right? You know, and yeah. and it's like I'm I'm learning how to. I always in, enjoyed every piece I did, but now it, I'm enjoying them more, and I don't mean because. I'm gratering like that, but I'm enjoying it because I have a different aspect on it. You know, I I know I can still get better. And then when I work with people like, like Carrie or John or any of the other guys in the group, I really um, relish that. I really enjoy that because it gives me a mind to play off of and, and I'm there to, to augment what they're doing and and so how can I do that? It gives you a whole. It takes you, kind of takes you. Although you're in the shop, it takes you out of your zone for, well, you know, yeah. work with that. Well, Pablo and and the fireplace tool set this year. That's Pablo's fault. I've always wanted to do one, but I I wouldn't do it right. And and not necessarily for the show, but I wanted to build one. And and then so, uh, you know, when he when he said let's do this, I was like. Oh no, I don't know that I have the skill set and, and I don't know if I can do all this. And he we all know in Pablo, he wouldn't take no for an answer and just said, No, you're doing it and you're putting it on your page, which also made me feel a little uncomfortable. I was like, put it on your page. I don't want it on mine. And I'm a bit in sperm maker, but hey, I, I couldn't be happier, right? I, I could not be happier by doing that. So, he pushed me to a place that was fun. And that's awesome. And Pablo will. Um yeah. so but I want you to think about that for a minute. Like I've heard criticisms or, you know, some of the stuff in our show isn't, or isn't cowboy enough. You right. know, it isn't, right. it isn't wet. And that, that fries my goiters, to be honest with you. I mean, you can go back, Brian LaBelle's old West sales, you know, he's got mm-hmm. pieces in there from hundreds of years old. You go to the old Visalia catalogs, for example, they had briefcases in there. They had all kinds of things in there. You know, mm-hmm. it's all been part of the West. And, and as I've told you guys a hundred times before, you know, for me, these accessory items or different items like that, that's a piece of the West that anybody can enjoy. Absolutely. And that brings people into, brings people into our world. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, and it also gives people that are in our world another way to celebrate it. You sure. know what I mean? Like that fireplace set. If I had a fireplace, I would love to have that set sitting there. You know what I mean? It, <laughs> yeah, for sure. It just how cowboy is that? You know, or yeah. uh, the the big old leather covered steer head, buffalo head that Troy did or Chuck did, and mm-hmm. uh, 
that Trump John did and, and, you know, carries portfolios. Um, I mean, you have one of those portfolios and you walk into a big old business meeting and slap that down on the table. They know who the hell you are, don't they? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and, uh, you know, I, I think a lot, I think back to the John Wayne movies, a lot of the John Wayne movies when he was a cattle baron like McClintock and I mean, mahogany dining rooms and the elegance and the silverware and the butlers and all that did that that's west man that's as west as it came um the west loves elegance too so to have some like the wine boat you know and and that's well think that wouldn't fit in those scenarios if you go to the king ranch their first big house that they built the whole interior was decorated by tiffany's right yeah so tell me that cowboy up you know yeah that's exactly right so anyway i i think it and and the other thing it does if you can stand in front of your forge and 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 create a a fireplace set you can damn sure have some fun with a bit can't you oh yeah well so i'll tell you um you see square corners forged in a lot of in, in every piece on that fireplace set is, is when you bend metal the outside becomes rounded right no matter it, it you so you have to drive metal back into itself to create a square corner there there was a lot of learning and that's one of the most difficult steps of blacksmithing that i principles that i've had to learn like it's taking me a long time to do it and i've built mouthpieces a certain way because i really didn't know how to do that well after that fireplace set I started building mouthpieces like I've never built before. I was so excited. You know, it took me to a place where it made my mouthpiece creation better. And there's even more creativity that can come um, from that. And I, I should say I built I started building a few before I did that fireplace set that way, which gave me the the courage to to try the square corner thing. But I'm let's just say I'm a lot more proficient at it now after that fireplace set. Yeah, you learn from from each one of these steps. Yeah. We lose Kerry again. No, he gone. He, he comes and goes. He won't get Starlink. <laughs> I hear him giggling. Can't you see me? <laughs> no, I can't see you. you can't. Hey, Tater, did, did you, did you, they're one of two things. You can't see him because you're not wearing glasses or you had your eyes worked on. Did you have your eyes worked on? Absolutely. I did. Yeah. Yep. That's yep, awesome. Yep. You see good now. Wear, uh, well, distances. I still have to wear reading glasses, but uh, I don't want to read anything right now. So. What did you have LASIK <laughs> surgery? No, uh, I don't know. They, um, uh, what do you call it? I had cataracts on both eyes, uh, so they oh, did cataract surgery. Uh, so that that kind of helps it. I don't know why I'd have cataracts on my eyes, but I did. Uh, how often do you replace those optimizers like once every six months because you melt them with your torch and <laughs> I don't melt them, but it's quite, it's quite comical because they, they go into the heat, you know, they get <laughs> my optics get a little weird and uh, it was fun. I, we, I just had Amy uh, Raymond up here for, uh, for three days and uh, you know, she wanted a challenge, so I gave her a damn challenge, man. We built a silver box, and and that sounds very simple, but it ain't too damn simple. 
So I thought and, I thought she gave you the challenge of the box. No, not that it was a challenge for you to build a box, but she was like, I want to build a box. And you're like, oh, my Lord, here we go. Oh, yeah. Well, no, she wanted something different to build. She had talked about a flask in the beginning, and I said, Amy, really, the flask she was talking about was a round flask. And, mm -hmm. and you break that down there. I'm not going to say they're simple, but they're obtainable, right? Right. Like you can think your way through it. And uh, so I said, you know, just build one on your own. I wanted her. I wanted Amy to experience that on her own without me standing there. And she did. She did a nice job, too. Yeah. So then, then she said, well, if I'm not going to build a flask at your place, what can I build that would be challenging? And I uh -huh. said, well, have you ever thought of a silver box? You know? There um, we yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's different thicknesses and different. So you really, and there was times when I had to jump in and help her solder a little bit that, I had to do it two or three times to get it figured out how to do it right. You know what I mean? Huh. How how do you yeah. maintain that heat? Where's your what's the right torch? What's the right you know on and on and on? And we had a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Just on the the fabrication part, we had a lot of fun together. Sure. And the, and the thing I'll say about Amy is she's damn fearless. So I didn't <laughs> didn't back her into a corner. Didn't scare her at all. Made her think. I can tell you that. But. Right. We had a lot of fun. Well, that's awesome. And and, and as we say, you know, awesome. as, as silver as silversmiths and bit and spur makers, uh, engraving is one part of the deal, but the often forgotten part of our discipline is the fabrication, what it takes to create a quality piece that's worthy of engraving, right? So. Well, don't you see that in the engraver's world? I, um, the people that, so I always feel bad for them, the ones that don't create stuff on their own, the mm -hmm. ones that, that are – I mean, I love the way – I'm backing myself in a corner here, but um, you get a great gun engraver, right? There's nothing sweeter than that. Right. But their whole mind thought – they're like a surgeon, right? Their whole mind thought is just on that engraving, and right. and, and that's incredible. But then – if you're not building something, uh, to me as a craftsman, you're kind of um, you're hanging yourself out there a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And and it's fun for me when I design as an engraver, as a as a craftsman, that I have to remember each element. Yep. As, as I'm creating, right? Well, yeah. Uh, and and in the design of that creation, engraving is a part of that process that happens in the beginning because you design the element, you design the creation of the piece around ornamentation a lot of times or, or vice versa, but it, they have to play together. So there, there's where you really have to admire a great gun engraver yeah. because they don't have that luxury. I mean, they get, so, here, here's this piece and it could be this odd shape, make it beautiful for me. I'll tell you a funny story about Damien, who Damien Conley, who's who, who was a grandmaster that I went to study with in, in Kansas in August. He was telling us about a particular shotgun that he was uh, commissioned to engrave. And, and I don't remember the name of it, but he said, they're just ugly. He said, they're just ugly. They got a lot of metal up on top of it. He said, it doesn't need to be there. So I ground it off. I made that sucker better look. And I thought, holy cow, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> I always had the mindset, just like you're saying, Scott, they're obligated to the canvas that's given to them. And he was like, no, nah, I didn't like it. I'm going to change that shotgun up. And I'm sure Damien, he's a very professional man and, and went through all the necessary means to get uh, permission from his customer to do such a thing. But I was, I was impressed that he dove off into somebody else's work. And especially when you think if it's a custom made shotgun. Yeah. um, Some gunsmiths probably pissed because he changed. (laughs) Well, you know what? They, they, they sure might be. They also might be like, dang, he made my shotguns better. I need to take note, but who knows? Yeah. Who knows? That's their world. Yeah. And it's a fun world. I admire those guys. Phil Coogan's that, I mean, you see his, his engraving area. It's right up under, if it's still that way, I mean, it, right up under a skylight in his yeah. attic. So he has the maximum amount of light. Right. I mean, those guys are handy dandy guys. Handy dandy. The, totally agree. The Brown brothers. I mean, you can, you can go down the list of, of great engravers, uh, Petter Soli. I mean, all those guys that, and the passion that's that's in their work. I always go back to Petter Soli, and you read the book about him. I'm probably saying his name wrong, and I apologize. But um, you read the book about him, and, and in school, his teachers said he was a, a good artist, and they should his parents should talk to the local gun engraver hmm. about him. Maybe that would be a good trade for him. So they talked to the gun engraver and he says, yes, he can come. He can come in my shop for this many days. And then I'll tell you whether he's worthy or not. And, and he was in there probably just sweeping the floor and watching whatever he gets that done. And, and then the gun engraver goes to, to his parents and says, I like him. I like his talent. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously I like his talent. So if you guys will guarantee me that he can live with you, You'll pay all his bills and you will feed him. He can come be in my shop for the next five years. <laughs> I didn't pay him a damn thing to be in there for five years. Oh God, no! And 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 the parents were excited because it was. I mean, it's cheaper than going to university, ain't it? Oh yeah. Uh, and he learned a profession and became one of the greatest gun engravers in Italy. You know, so yeah. it's just just a different mindset, and that was on the parents and the child, right? So yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. You know, and, cool. and that that is taking me, like having Eli in the shop and working with me and all that. Um, I used to not think there was a place for those people, like an employee or that type of individual in my shop. And having Eli and the benefits that he's created for me, not my own work, right? He's not working on my work, but to take care of life in the shop. And and actually there's things that can happen in my shop that make me money, right? And that, and that teach him a skill set. There's a lot of value in that for young people. And 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 uh, I'm paying Eli. Uh, and, and I mean, he's not getting rich working for me, but um, he's going to leave me in, in, in some amount of time and go off on his own, which is what we're working together for is to is to create a, a a foundation below him that he can go make a living as a bit and spur maker well i i'm excited about doing some more of that in the future with other people after eli moves on i and i never thought that would be the case but uh i am well you, 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 I, I was just saying to leslie last night about eli what a, a blessed young man that, well, that gets this opportunity but 
it works both ways. I mean, if yeah, he wasn't the individual he is, it wouldn't work. No. You know, and I, I don't know. I'm looking forward to meeting him, but I've had apprentices in my shop that, you know. Yeah, no. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't feel the need. Well, and, and that's something that, that you know, I, I know I'm very fortunate having somebody that a prime example is, Eli, I need you here at seven o'clock. So in case my girls need to be taken to school, you can do that for me. And I get to stay working in the shop. He's here at five 30, right? And you're like, good gosh, yeah. dude, you ain't got to get here an hour and a half early. He said, well, you're here. I want to see what I can do. You know, here he yeah. goes. Yeah. Not early or late. That's it. Well, so did you guys want to do a run a show or something like that? Hell yeah. Get it. Mr. Presidente, let's hear it. Well, I'm waiting for Carrie to reappear and tell oh, me no. it's good. Oh, I'm here. I'm here. Oh. Yeah, if we want to run through what we got coming up. Of course, this is uh, this is going to drop here on uh, early, right and early Monday morning and stuff. So it's TCAA week. And uh, yep. so what do we got on the schedule there? Well... See the, the, the now the, the glasses came out, Carrie. Look at <laughs> So so for us, of course, it starts it starts Wednesday morning with meetings, right? We meet mm -hmm. uh, Wednesday and Thursday, which is going to be huge fun. Um, and Bo's got his workshop going. I think it starts Tuesday and ends Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, mm -hmm. that'll be good. Um, so Friday night is is really for the public. It's it's the first big kick at the cat, and and uh, well, no, I'll have Peter after me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they'll get a mouthful if they come after you, Tater. I just yeah, I'm they just will. Cool. Yeah, yeah, old and crusty. And anyway, so the at five thirty the on Friday the exclusive preview cocktail reception which is huge fun it's the first time the gallery is open to the public um there's heavy hors d'oeuvres as always and two bars and lots of people and just an exciting night to to open the gallery and people get to mingle with the craftsmen and and artists and what and, and uh, we're we're really relaxed because there's no possibility of anything selling, so our butts aren't drawn up tighter and dicking. That's you right. Know, we're, nobody's, we're <laughs> nobody's drinking excessively. Nobody's. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait to explain that on for the next day, <laughs> Saturday. <laughs> so that's it for Friday, five thirty, and and it'll it's over at seven 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 thirty. It's it's a really fun night. You get to visit, like you say. There's no pressure on anybody. There's no ballots to be stuffed. There's no anything like that. It's just have some drinks, look at the work, enjoy yourself, meet people, visit. It's 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 extremely fun. And and you can get into that by by if you ha have a bid book on Saturday, then you can. You can that that's a ticketed thing too. Friday night is a ticketed thing, right? Absolutely. No, you can buy a ticket just for Friday if you want. Or oh, you right. can buy one just for Saturday, or you can buy a whole weekend package. So okay, right. Saturday Saturday is kind of a busy day because um 
we used to do um, autograph sessions from 9.30 till 11. Well, that's we're kind of done with that. Mm-hmm. We're going to do brunch with the artists, and that's exclusive to package holders and, and uh, it's in Prosperity Junction. So package holders is people that have the whole weekend, you know. So, so I don't know what's so fun about sitting and having lunch with us, but... <laughs> Well, don't we don't we get to talk about one of our pieces? So that could be fun watching yes. stammer around. That. Yeah, each person gets each person gets to talk about one piece for two minutes, and then two? you know just two minutes. Yeah, two me minutes. and you are going well, to fail at that. Yeah. <laughs> we we're gonna go. We'll, we could fill up There's the whole time ourselves. There. Yeah, a, a whistle's gonna blow or a horn's gonna go off at two minutes. So. Mike Mike Nicola has some, the, the microphone and he just rips it out of your hand to the two minute mark. <laughs> no, I'm sure people will go over like Willie Hill. You, know. <laughs> you won't, right? You'll be, you'll be nope. no. No. And then after that, that's at 10 a.m. And then at 11 a.m., which is open to the public, the all the TCA artists will be in the gallery. And uh, people can come in. That's kind of in, in replacing the autograph session. People can come in and visit with us, look at our work, get us to sign their catalogs if they want. Um, so th- that'll be fun, too. Then we can all go home and hide or sit in the bar, whichever, until. <laughs> We're just going to sit in there? like. Uh... Well, some of us. <laughs> no, no. So, question on the 11 to what time? 11 to 12? 11 to what'd you say? 11 to 12, yeah. 11 to 12. Okay. Yeah, it's an hour. Yeah, sorry. And then, and they're thinking that the 10 o'clock brunch is going to make us skip lunch? Because I'm going yes, to probably be, we can't eat lunch now. Oh, no. You can go back to the hotel and have some hors d'oeuvres or whatever. Or heavy hors d'oeuvres with our, with our, with our hydration. With our soda in the bar. Yeah. <laughs> Hydrate. Yeah. Okay. Alcohol is actually a diuretic. Uh, what does that mean? Make you skinnier? That it's going to hydrate you very much. Oh, well, you put water in it too. In well, the then, oh, okay. then if, if alcohol dehydrates you, it should be a weight loss aid, right? <laughs> yeah, don't, these bo- yes. don't these boxers uh they have to lose water weight right well that's all we're trying to do is lose some water weight for the show exactly then they can't call us water heads right so then at 5 30 you're back at the gallery and uh that's reservations required and and maybe we should explain to people how the sale works itself Okay. He, he up for that? Yeah. So on Friday night when you're in there, um, all the display cases and everything, they've got the description beside them, the price beside them, the artist's name, the whole deal. It's 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 a gallery. It's a museum, right? So it's, it's a beautiful setting. When you go in there Saturday night, it's the same thing, except you'll find a, a, a cardboard, a white cardboard box uh, by each display and up on the wall a piece of white cardboard um, with ABC on it so when you when you come to Saturday night 
you are supplied with a bid book. That's part of your ticket price. And the bid book, I don't want people to take it uh, the wrong way. All the prices in that show are fixed. It's what the artist wants, what they think their work is worth, is, is clear, and it, there's no debate, no dickering, nothing. But what the bid book does is it allows you to put a bid in as many boxes as you want. And, and the thought process behind that is um, if you don't get drawn, so I guess I should roll back first. Sorry, guys, got ahead of myself. Each, you got bid books with a bid, and you put it in the pieces you want, right? So let's say Willie's fireplace set ends up with uh, 10 bids in there. Well, Oper or you could say opportunity to purchase as opposed to bid. Is like to purchase. Yes, that's that's a better statement. Yeah. Yep. My God, I'm being corrected by a text. <laughs> interrupted, too. I'm sorry for interrupting. I never do that either. So anyway, then they draw it out. They stir it up, and they draw first name, and that goes up on the white cardboard I said on the wall under A, second name under B, third name under C. So the way this sale works is at 5.30, you, you're allowed to start putting bids in those boxes. At 6.30, uh, they, they blow a horn off, and they take – well, they don't blow a horn off a cow. They blow a horn, right? <laughs> yeah. Sounds like one of those. <laughs> yeah, <they're>, yeah. <laughs> Air horn is what they blow. That's when they draw the name. So from 6.30 to 6.50, whoever's the first person up there has the opportunity to say, you know what, I've been drawn on way more pieces than this. So I'm going to let this piece go, and I'm going to take that piece. So then first, it drops down to the second. First right of refusal. First right of refusal. Yep. Yep. So that's at 6.50. Then at 7.10, the last horn goes off, and that means they're not those, – those papers on the wall are done. Everything like that's done. And if you want to purchase something at that point, you just walk up to a docent. Or museum staff, and just say to him, "I'm, I'm so, interested in Carrie's saddle." So, third person will get the at the at the end of the second horn. Then, then the third person gets the opportunity. If there's no names on the pieces, if on the board, if there's no names on the board, then it, it, like if if there's only one name on a board after that second horn, then then anybody can buy at any point right there. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's set up that way just to be fair. So that right. it's so it's not first past the post. So so if I got there right at five thirty and I walked in the gallery and I said said I'll take Carrie's saddle and the fireplace and Scott's flask and, and on and on and then all those items are gone. This way this way everybody that comes there between five thirty and six thirty has the exact same opportunity to own anything in that room. Right. I have so, a, I have been involved in I've been involved in other shows to where there were uh, particular artists that were in high demand and it was first come first serve and and uh, I saw three little old ladies get run smooth over one time because everybody was running to get that first get that ticket right so it's it you're right it, it's to 
uh, for well, high demand pieces, give everybody an opportunity for that high demand piece. And, and think of it this way. Maybe some guy from California has been, been eyeballing those, that fireplace set or carry saddle for, for months mm-hmm. off the internet. And he can't get there until six. Right. Right. Yep. So the guy at 530 has got a bot. This guy's flowing in from California. He's one mad smurf. You know what I mean? So yep. I, I think it's a really fair system. I do too. So so that's a 710. Then it's just open to anybody who wants to buy it. And quite frankly, it stays open to whatever's left in the show. Is It can be purchased until January 3rd. The, the show stays up, the exhibit stays up until January 3rd. And any time in that, if there's work available, you can purchase it through the museum. Mm-hmm. Um, but after 710, um, we head over to the Annie Oakley Center and uh, we proceed with our banquet. And, what, and it's, it's which black is in the tight. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Annie Oakley Center. Just across the plaza. Yeah, I'm glad you're there to correct me, Willie. Because I'm just a- adding information. I'm helping. No, no, I just leave things out. That's well. I, I didn't just, want. I didn't want a newbie thinking the Annie Oakley Center was across town or something. Exactly. It is, no, it's I, just I, down the hall. Yeah. Take a compliment, Willie. I'm compliment. Oh no, yeah, that's I'm not. not we can't. We can't start this week <laughs> off with you complimenting me. I'll be totally uncomfortable with such a scenario. <laughs> so it's a great, and the, the it's a black tie banquet. It's it's supposed to celebrate Western, it, not supposed to. It does celebrate Western craftsmanship, and and for me, it's it's the best night of the year. Um, you know, it, it's just fun. By that time, you're either extremely happy or disappointed. None of that matters because you're there with your friends. Everybody's having a good time and a and a fantastic meal. Um, we here's the museum deal. Does an incredible job. Oh yeah, yeah. The greatest the institute. Well, they don't cook it. The caterer no. cooks it. No. They do a great job of giving it to us, though. Well, they, and I got I got to tell you, you know, we've we've all had our butt kicks that night, and we've all had sellouts, and and uh, you know, it's it's something that uh, it's real. But it, regardless of the results of the sale. It's it's an awesome experience. And I, you know, I want to say, I want to make clear to everybody, I've been in the group, uh, this, this makes 20 years for me. Um, been in the group 20 years, and I only have five unsold pieces from those 20 years. So not, a, not very often have I completely sold out, but I only have five pieces left over. So um, it, it it's not poverty if we don't sell. Things are fine. We come home hold it for a year or two, things happen. Again, like we talked about earlier, the the fact that you got to push yourself to that level and participate in that evening is is a pretty good, it's a pretty good reward in itself. Plus, you can take that piece home and someday it'll sell. Yeah. So, or, or you can do like, I gave, I gave the first unsold piece I ever had to my dad. Right. And I, and I, that's the best money I ever spent giving him that piece. So. Yeah. Isn't that fun? Well, yeah. So so the evening's going to be really cool. I mean uh, we've got normal speakers I'll, I'll as the president do a little talk. 
Mike Nicola talks as the, the chairman of the TCA committee for the museum. He, he talks and he's our host. Um, we have uh, David Sampson, who's one of our affiliates, but a man with a, a very interesting history, shall we say. I mean, he was in both Bush administrations. He's the head of the largest a group of insurance companies in the world. Um, this guy's a, uh, he's a cowboy. He's got a nice little ranch in Texas. He loves the cowboy way of life. He's a very interesting man, and he's our keynote speaker this year. So I'm really excited to see what David uh, has, to, has to tell us. He travels the world and never takes his hat off. And I think that's, that's awesome. Exactly. Yeah, I do too. I mean, yeah, he's he's a very interesting man who I greatly appreciate. Me um, too. Uh, so I think I'm excited to hear his talk because uh, it never quite dawned on me <laughs> when I asked him to, to do that talk and he so graciously and quickly accepted that uh, – he gets paid enormous amounts of money to talk <laughs> to all, over, all over the world. And, and I just said, hey, buddy, you want to talk? Yeah. And he said, it's kind of the cowboy way, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, thank you, David, for that. But that'll be real interesting. And then we're capping the end of the night off with uh, an auction uh, that the funds go to our education system which is extensive, the TCA's education system. We should talk about that for a minute. But anyway, um, it's a purse that Carrie Schwartz had been commissioned to create. It's a beautiful purse. Would have been a lot nicer with silver, but anyway. Um, it's a beautiful <laughs> purse. <laughs> Round one a of jazz there, Schwartz. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's a beautiful purse with some Incredible carving as Schwartzy style and uh, some nice colored flowers on there. And it was, it was donated back to the group by Oren Gobsch. Uh, it was it was a commission that Oren had got for as a present for his wife, Karen, who has since passed away and uh, sadly, and uh, Oren just thought that, that uh, Karen would really like that money to go to our education system. So that will be our auction item to end the evening. And uh, Cody Garnett is, is the auctioneer, which uh, any of you people that are close to Pahuska or around Pahuska who know who Cody is. Um, you, you just go through Pahuska one time and you'll know who Cody is. Yeah. Yeah. Enough said. <laughs> <laughs> it anyway, will be entertaining it will be entertaining and then to cap the evening off everybody scurries back to the Ellison Hotel and, and, and enjoys each other's company in, in the bar in which the bar. is uh, in the bar and we don't have to get up early Sunday morning except to go home and that's exciting yeah and the fact oh. that my flight isn't until 3 o'clock in the afternoon Means I'm safe. You know what? We're we're gonna throw another Ricky Bean uh, marker out there on this podcast, but 
God, I wish Rick and Christy were there when they used to be here this week and that they'd stay up all night so that they didn't, they always had an early flight and they'd stay up all night. And let's just say it was exciting to have Ricky and Christy in the evening activities with us. It was always very exciting, except one year. Um, what? Well, everybody left downstairs and went up to their respective rooms and everything like that. And, Leslie and I had just got up to the room and there was a knock on the door and it was Rick and Christy because <laughs> three hours. So <laughs> that was it, you know. Oh Lord. Uh, those Lord. are great memories. Good people. Yeah. Good people. Sure. One of the things we do uh, uh, during the evening is is uh, I'll do a little recap about what the TCA has done over the last year and and uh, and then we uh, honor our fellowship recipients and uh, huh, Amy Raymond and Brian Seifert will both come up on stage and get a plaque and to commend their, their year of fellowship. And uh, Jill. Lot no Yamate. Lot no Yamate. And Larry Lorang will be in the in the audience, and there are new fellowship people. So that's very exciting to have those. those and 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 um, Amy and Brian both get to have one piece in the show this year for the first time. A fellowship they do. recipient. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. So they that get to experience the Parker factor also. <laughs> So, Amy, let's talk about your peace pucker factor, right? That she'll have to endure with you. <laughs> yeah, well, I might have teased her a little bit about it or gave her a little anxiety when she was here. But anyway. Amy, just just come sit with me at the it'll bar. Be, there'll be there'll be no there'll be nothing but praise <laughs> in mine. Oh, it'll be good. Well, Especially I'm looking forward. To, I'm looking forward to meeting her husband. So, yeah. Um, He's, he's, she's a pistol. I'm sure he's a shotgun. So we got to, it'll be fun to meet, spend time with both of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, if we don't, hurry, it is get great, out of here. yeah, We're it going. is a great experience for them. Just to, I mean, to have a uh, piece in the show and just get that whole feeling of the evening and, it's a great way to cap off a fellowship, and and I got to give credit where credit's due, and that was Wilson's idea. To well, you brought it forth at the spring meeting, and everybody embraced it. So, I think it, you know, I just think it's a wonderful thing. I don't know if I need credit, but I I do think it's a wonderful thing, and and a place for these people to to experience what it is we do. And just like the conversation I had with with our with our applicant next week. He thanked me for the opportunity to build the three best pieces he's ever made, and and he he now realizes what that opportunity is, and and uh, you know I, I'm excited for our fellowship winners to to experience it as well, because they too have, they too have made a large commitment over the last year of of giving time away to come study with us, and now now actually there's a little opportunity to get some of that some of that back and monetarily by selling a piece to the greatest market of Western collectors that, that there are. Right. I mean, we, the, you know, we, we, we talk about the greatness of the artist in the room, but we also need to elaborate on the greatness of the collectors 
that are helping us do the things that we love to do without them we couldn't do it and that room is full of the absolute best collectors of western western culture they are well when you think about that wilson you think about um, all the great all the great artworks throughout the centuries yeah yeah and each each one of those artworks was uh commissioned by a collector that's right so without these collectors there would be a lot of humanity would be in a worse state than it is now i mean they've through their philanthropy you know each one of these collectors that i've known they come to a point where where perhaps they're finished you know um because of age or other mm -hmm. circumstances and 90 percent of their work ends up in in a museum someplace for the world to enjoy you sure. know so um i've got nothing but respect praise and especially i feel a little um um almost overwhelmed that 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 these people they believe in the west this much they love our the cowboy culture they love the west and, and they don't have to be from the west but to collect that uh at that level and enjoy it like like the levens home that we were mm -hmm. in and all the pieces they've bought over the years the same same as art nicholas's lodge Kirsch, i mean Kirshner's. Kirshner's, uh, McKinley's. Yeah, we shouldn't have started naming names because we're going to leave somebody out. But there's an incredible amount of support and and collections out there that's uh, very exciting. Well, it, it is exciting and it, and it allows us to create works and it allows them to enjoy them. Not not to sound egotistical, but they do enjoy them. And, yeah. and, uh, and it gives the opportunity for the public to see them. When you, when you think of when you think of our exhibition, so take the sale part out of it, just our exhibition has been seen by over, over 1 million people yep. in the last 24 years, you know, that have got to, to walk through that gallery, see these, these pieces, understand, read them, read about them, read about the maker, understand it and, and understand that place in history. Um, that the West is alive and thrives. Mm -hmm. um, we should be proud of the new West as well as the old West. And uh, away we go. I think we just got part of the speech there, Carrie. Do you, you think that? I probably did. And uh, <laughs> we'll have to listen to the rest of it next week. And, and uh, I better get right and call it a wrap. Let's call it a wrap. <laughs> This typical deal, we were okay. going to have a little quick, quick 10 minute talk with Scott, and we're an hour and a half into this deal, but that's awesome. Here we are. <laughs> well, if Carrie, if Carrie wouldn't talk to him much, <laughs> I agree. I need to work on that. I really do. Well, Scott, thanks for coming on board, and uh, we'll see you very soon. Travel safe. Oh, see you, man. Good Lord willing. Thank you, man.